0: Welcome to Group Talk, four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network, focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Inside Saddleback with Steve Glayton.
1: Happy March to all of you small group point people out there in the trenches of small group ministry. And thank you so much for tuning in to listen to this show today. Hey, it's Derek here along with your other host, Steve Gladen.
2: Hey everybody, good to see you here in the Ides of March.
1: Can you believe it's already March, Steve? No, I mean, I mean, good,
2: I mean, goodness gracious, it's uh you know, it was just like last March, it was uh, time to shut down the church and, uh, you know, everything was going crazy. So what a year it's been.
1: <laughs> yeah, normally March comes in like a lion and out like a lamb, I think they say. How's your family doing uh, as March starts?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, I, I've got to confess, it's going quite well. I'm almost uh, scared to say that, you know, <laughs> during this season, but we're, we're, we're uh, healthy, wealthy and wise or at least maybe one of the three. So we'll, we'll go with that.
1: For our fellow uh, sports geeks out there, uh, most of us know that March means March madness for the College of Basketball season. I got to ask you, Steve, how is uh, the Buckeyes uh, doing this year in basketball?
2: You know, normally, uh, if we'd have, you know, done this show, you know, about four weeks ago, I'd have said, you know, we were going to be a number one seed. But after we just dropped our last three games, it's just like, Gosh, so painful. That's is why we are a football school and not a basketball school. <laughs> but how are the how are the Washington Huskies prevailing? Do they know what a basketball looks like?
1: <laughs> oh, that was good. No, we do not know what a basketball looks like. Uh, I think we're like we've won five games all year, so let's not go there.
2: Well, Let's just enjoy March, okay? <laughs> well,
1: it looks like we've got a full show ahead of us. And uh, man, when I look at our, our show ahead, it looks, Steve, like you are bringing March in definitely like a lion, not a lamb. Give us a preview of what's ahead in the show.
2: Yeah, I, I, in some ways I feel bad about this, but I think it's it's a very timely uh, show because I do want to talk about uh, four questions uh, that you, you need to answer in leadership uh, because if you choose not to answer uh, these questions... Uh, either because you want to ignore them or just pretend they're not there, uh, it's going to produce consequences that will be very, very ugly. And I'm just telling you, in in this last 12 months, all four of these questions have come up. And whether you are fight or flight, um, if you do those, either one, however you're wired, if you do them in haste, there's dangerous consequences uh, that will impact your leadership. So let me just real quick, I'm gonna give you the, uh, the questions and then the answers uh, or the questions and then the consequences and we'll dive into the answers there. But first one we're gonna be handling right out the gate is uh, how do you handle unclear or wrong communication? Um, and the consequence behind this one is it produces upset and confused people. And we're gonna tell you how to get through that one. Next question is how to handle worry. And that may not—that may seem a little passive, like, "Oh, what do I have to deal with that?" But the consequence is, it's going to paralyze risk takers uh, in your ministry. The third question is, uh, how do you figure out who's after you? Again, can seem like a very innocent question, uh, but the consequence here is you can extinguish your legacy if you're not careful. And then the last question we're going to talk about with the consequences. Uh, How do you handle a moral failure, or really any failure that's in your your ministry? And the consequence here, if not done right, it will break trust. And we want to dive through some of the answers that you can handle these questions so you don't get the bad consequence.
1: Man, this is going to be a big show, so everybody uh, buckle your seatbelts. Steve, as we head into the Saddleback Scoop segment of our show— Give us a snapshot of what's been happening recently at Saddleback Church, um, as we jump into the Saddleback Scoop.
2: Yeah, so um, it leads well into the first question, and you know, you know, and again, how do you handle unclear or wrong communication, which I love to call a faceplant. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you've ever uh, tripped and, uh, and done a face plant before it is embarrassing. It is painful. <laughs> it's got consequences. Oh, yeah. and, and at my age, you could throw out your back pretty easy, but the consequence that can happen here, if you don't handle this question, right. Is it the consequences is it produces, uh, upset and confused people. And over the last 12 months, boy, have I seen that. And so you're, you're going to need in ministry, as you're uh, going through life, you're gonna need both a tough hide and a tender heart. And the issue is is in this crisis is you have to handle two opposite pieces that are critical whenever there is a crisis. It is speed and thoroughness. I mean, you're trying to race to the issue as quick as you can, uh, but if you don't handle it thoroughly and correctly, Man, you will have a face plant. I mean, just look at the last 12 months and the opportunities that have been in front of the church for face plants. Um, There's the pandemic with the shutdown, how your church handled that. Racial issues, all types. I mean, all types of racial issues that have been floating around. Uh, You had a national election that still gives us acid indigestion, you know, through some sections of, of the government. Are you opened or are you closed as a church? You know, that, that is a big opportunity. Uh are you gonna wear a mask when you're at church? Or are you not gonna wear a mask? Um, you know, at Saddleback Church, uh, with our Pacific Rim congregation, we we had a, a, a little misstep right there, all on our own, because we weren't busy enough. We decided to do something. How's your church going to handle the vaccine? Uh, I, ha- I mean, I had a rumor I had to handle because a person was sitting there going, I heard we had to show our vaccine card before we could come to Saddleback. And, <laughs> and you know, all kinds of craziness. And then there's just the lack of clarity or just vision. You know, uh, I love the saying that when everybody's rowing the boat, there's no opportunity to stand up and rock it. And part of what this is beautiful, without clarity and, and vision, people will fill the narrative, whatever they think is missing. So you have all of those things that have been, you know, just floating with us. And what happens is, is in unclear or bad communication, you can get the lie that just won't die. And, you know, you're you're, you're spinning around trying to handle that. And at Saddleback, we've had that uh, countless times, uh, I'm almost embarrassed to say, throughout the last 12 months. And, you know, there's an interesting analogy here. If you ever go to uh, gas up your uh, car or put in Petro or, you know, however, when you're listening to this uh, episode, you, you fill up your vehicle, you know, there's usually a sign there that says, no smoking and and it's not so much for the people who smoke because they know not to do it around gas pump. It's, you know, for those that, you know, maybe first timers, uh, but the reason why that is there is for a volatile explosion to happen, you need three things. You need fuel, you need containment, and you need a spark to get explosion. You know, gasoline just spilled all over the pavement uh, and, a, and a match goes to it. There's going to be no explosion. There's going to be a fire, but there's going to be no explosion. And so what you got to think is during these last 12 months, there's been a lot of containment and there's a lot of fuel that's been building up. And with, if you're not careful, a simple spark on any one of the things I mentioned before will just, you know, cause an explosion. And you always got to ask yourself when you're dealing with these issues, is it more important to win a friend or win an argument? Because when you're trying to clear up miscommunication, wrong communication, you know, so often we can be battling our side. You'll win the battle, but you're going to lose the war with the person. Now, if you leave the family, it doesn't get better. So, so often people think, well, the answer is I got to leave my church. But, you know, if you leave the family, the family doesn't get better. That's why civility is so important whenever we have miscommunication or tensions that are floating around. And I just want to give you seven quick lessons that we've learned from our face plants, and hopefully they'll help your church and how you handle your small group ministry. But really quickly here. And we'll put these in the show notes. Number one, think through your response and listen. I mean, in small group ministry, we have talked about listening so much, how it's important in small groups. It's important when you're in communication to people. You've got to listen to what people are saying, not just what you want to say. You know, you got to think through in this first point here, who needs to write it? You know, how do you use social media? Do you allow comments? Do you not allow comments? You know, you got to get lots of eyes on what you're going to write or what you're going to say. Now, this is the what part of it, of, the, of you know, miscommunication. You know, we don't get to choose what's offensive because everybody makes up their own thing of what they're offended about. But you got to understand in this first point, you got to think through your response and you got to listen to what has been offensive. The second part right there is this is going to address the who. So we talked about the what, now the who. And in painful missteps, the response is always done with humility. You see, we don't get to choose who's offended because people are always going to get offended by what we do. But here are nine powerful words that will help you out. I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Now, as you're bracing for anything, a lot of times these nine words will save you a lot of pain points. And the Bible teaches humility and being humble, have humble confession, is always a Christ-like response. Third thing we've learned is we have to remember everything we do is being watched by the world. Romans 14 talks about that. Offend as few people as possible. Romans 14 will kind of walk you through all that. But if you ever say, well, it's just dot, 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 that's being insensitive. That's being tone deaf. As as followers of Christ, we limit our freedoms. Number four, we must make sure our impact matches our intent. And so often in ministry, we love a huge impact. But your intent, the heart of you has to come through. Number five, we can be creative without being offensive. You know, one of the things we value at Saddleback is humor. And sometimes humor is very, very tricky. And one of the things I've learned, you know, Derek, you know, you can even resonate with this. Uh, at, we just had a lobby event, and sometimes humor can be very offensive to people. And so you've got to understand. When humor is directed at you, if I make fun of me, I'm safe. But if I make fun of Derek, it's not so safe. So uh, that's number five. Number six, when when you're dealing with agitated people, upset people, pray with them. But more importantly, have them pray too. Uh, Psalms talks about how a person can't hate you if they're praying for you. And you want to make sure that prayer goes both ways. And then number seven, this is a filter that we've done to to help make sure we try not to offend people. Uh, It's often acrostic, no shock here, called teach. But the first thing is on the T is we want to remember, is it true? Uh, Obviously, is it biblically true? we got to make sure E, it's encouraging. A, it's age-appropriate. You know, in some of your churches and small groups, if you've got kids involved in, is it age appropriate? C, is it culturally honoring? Uh, you know, we're very diverse in uh, many of the uh, areas of the planet that we're in, and you got to make sure, is it culturally honoring? And then the H is, uh, how would Jesus respond, uh, you know, to to the whole matter? Very, very important. Now, just a little caveat with this is that no matter what you say in ministry, it will be misunderstood, and that's why you got to have, you know, uh, you need a tough hide and you need a tender heart that we talk about, but it will be misunderstood. You're going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. Saddleback Church has made enormous mistakes over the last 12 months, but you know, we realize that, you know, through our mistakes, we're gonna hurt people. And we don't wanna do that. But that's why how we respond is so important. Because negative news travels seven times faster than good news. That's why all the cable channels focus on negative news because it travels the quickest. And you will lose the battle in an hour because of social media. That's why you could have speed. But you got to have thoroughness. And so in this part, what we've always got to help our church understand, and what our small groups have to understand, is division and leaving is not the answer. That's why in our membership covenant at Saddleback Church, one of the things we covenant to is we need to protect the unity of the church. Because in a day when marriages are disposable, when families are disposable, the church— needs to not be disposable
1: great stuff steve i really liked when you said uh when it comes to the painful missteps the response is always humility and that's so true because uh you know when i am around other leaders it's always so powerful if they make a painful misstep or something like that and they say you know what i was wrong I messed up, or please forgive me. It's amazing, you know, the grace you really do feel for that leader, and as opposed to if people refuse to admit, you know, their pain so, or their wrongness. So, man, that was great, but it was heavy stuff. Let's get to uh, some lighter stuff with the network nugget. Does that sound good? Yeah,
2: I mean, sorry, guys, but I mean, we we got to deal with this stuff because ministry is messy.
1: That is true. So, with the network nugget, uh, we are—we just had uh, last month our first ever virtual lobby gathering, and this was a two-day event. Normally, we have a physical lobby gathering in sunny Southern California in February. Always a great time to be in SoCal, but with the year that was COVID and all that, we had to do it virtual. But it was amazing. We had almost 500 registered attendees. We had people, I believe, from nine countries in 39 states. Does that sound right, Steve?
2: Yeah, no, it was, it was incredible. I mean, talk about how COVID has given us so many little silver linings. It's uh, it's really busted our paradigm and, you know, given us a new wineskin to how we're doing the lobby in the future.
1: Yeah, it was a great time. Uh, we had two main panel sessions Featuring Steve and Bill Willets and Dave Evans, Carolyn was Takeda was hosting that, so that was a lot of fun. We will eventually make the recordings available uh, to everybody, so just stay tuned for that uh, throughout the year. But um, go ahead. Yeah, Steve. let me
2: let me highlight that is you know uh, what we've created is if you are part of the uh, virtual lobby, we have a Facebook group for you. And we're going to be uh, our our goals. You know, about every couple weeks, we're going to be dropping one of the recordings out there, uh, so you can kind of listen to it and kind of get some bite sized stuff to just kind of get you through till when we have the the next lobby. So uh, stay tuned there if you haven't joined the virtual group jo- joining on that. If you go, man, I didn't join the virtual lobby. Period. You know, besides shame and disgust, which we're not covering in this show. Uh, you know it's an opportunity that you can uh, uh, you know catch a recap of it a little later on in the year so stay tuned
0: hey small group network jason Banzoff off here and i am interrupting this great episode of inside saddleback for one quick second to talk to you about a couple great things coming up within the small group network First thing I want to talk to you about is the new youth course. We're excited to announce our brand new online training course called Youth Ministry. Why small groups are a big deal and how to build them. Now, This exciting new course is packed full of humor and it features seven high definition video sessions taught by veteran saddleback youth pastors, downloadable resources, and then great discussion questions. Learn more by viewing the free course introduction video. Just visit smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash courses. One more thing I want to talk about is events. The Small Group Network is storming into spring with a slew of strategic small group conferences. Locations for April and May include South Carolina, Florida, Las Vegas, and Nashville. You still have time to lock in the early bird price on some of these events. Align your small group ministry with your church's vision and mission and accelerate the health and growth of your small group ministry by attending one of these events. Just visit smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash events today. Now back to Steve and Derek with Inside Saddleback.
1: We've got a new um, uh, director for the small group network. We call it the MENA team. Steve, tell us what MENA stands for and who this new director is and what area he's overseeing.
2: Yeah, uh, if you know anything about the globe, uh, is that the Middle East just isn't, uh, you know, configured just into the Middle East, but it's uh, MENA and it's Middle East, North Africa uh this the country of africa there's a uh, almost a horizontal line you can draw through it and above it it tends to be more uh islamic and below it tends to be more christian and uh so we have been praying for uh, mina director and scott Ostrowski, uh who actually has the jerusalem project in israel is helping to champion that and so it's a it's an area you can pray for he's excited about getting some huddles and getting some training, because it, as you can imagine, in that part of the world, everything is predominantly, uh, you know, focused on small groups. So it's a it's a needed area of prayer, and so we're we're very very excited about that.
1: And even as you talk, Steve, you know, I'm just suddenly feeling an overwhelming burden to just go to Israel, go to Jerusalem, and help Scott. Uh, and help him launch huddles and see the Holy Land and see where Jesus did small groups. I mean, do you think maybe the SGN should plan a small group network event there soon?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, rumor has it it's on the horizon, so it could be a, a crazy thing. And uh, uh, you know, Derek's giving a little bit too much of a preview, so I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> steal the the show back uh, because in the network nugget. You know, there are lots of great things uh, that, you know, Derek has shared that God is blessing us with. But uh, I do want to, I want to do address a question and a consequence that you're going to need answers to uh, in this. And it kind of can seem very innocent. But the question is, how do you handle worry? And, um, you know, I'll tell you throughout my ministry, some of the things that, that I have missed out on. It's because I worried either about what people thought of me. I worried about I didn't have enough resources. I didn't have, you know, uh, the right things in place. You know, it's always those those pieces. I, I always go back to Ecclesiastes 11.4. And it says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. And uh, it's in the Living Bible. I, uh, I like that particular translation because the consequence Of not knowing how to handle worry is it paralyzes risk taking. And uh, I I won't go deep into this, but in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27, is a familiar passage uh, of Jesus being in the boat with the disciples and, uh, you know, some events happen. But uh, again, I want to give you four things that uh, worry can play on us and how you've got to help dispel worry. Uh, in your small group ministry, so risk taking can happen. The first thing is, as you see in this biblical story, is that there are unexpected problems. You know, the wind came up suddenly. I mean, it's a reality in that part of the uh, uh, the Sea of Galilee that you know wind storms, they, they come up very, very quickly. But the transferable principle in this story, is that we are always going to have unexpected problems. <laughs> the last 12 months have been an exclamation point on unexpected problems. How you handle those unexpected problems, how you have contingencies in place, how you can pivot, how you can you know work with what you have, that will determine how you're fostering risk-takers inside your small group ministry. The second thing we've learned from the story is overwhelming circumstances. And there are times, and I got to confess during this COVID time, there have been overwhelming circumstances. In the boat, the waves came over the boat. Now, they were professionals. They had been on this sea a many, many times. It's not the first storm they saw. So you knew this was much more serious than anything they've done before. And this COVID season has been much more serious than we've ever encountered any of us in our time of ministry. But when you have overwhelming circumstances, it can lead to worry if you don't have a team of people around you. And so often in small group ministry, we talk about your C team, and it's going to be very important for you to to kind of get through and say, who are the strategic people around me so I don't get overwhelmed by the circumstances that are around me that I can make through that. So you're going to have unexpected problems. You're going to have overwhelming circumstances. The third thing we see in this passage is inadequate resources. They were in a little boat. They weren't on a cruise ship. Now, obviously, they didn't have cruise ships back then. They do now if you're ever... going to join Derek on this little excursion that he's planning. I don't know what he's planning, Uh, but, you know, you can go on the cruise ship and you can be in the Sea of Galilee and it's it's a great way to travel, but you're going to have inadequate resources. And in this uh, season and in seasons in the future, you will never have all the resources, but what happens with inadequate resources, it leads to innovation. Our strongest innovations at Saddleback Church have always been because we didn't have the resources we needed. We had to figure out with what we had uh, a great movie. If you, if you want to take this into more of a, a theatrical thing is Apollo 13 when they were uh, they had a problem. They only had so many things on, on side the sh- on the Apollo mission where they could get the, the astronauts home safely. But in the same way, biblically, you got to understand that inadequate resources is God forcing us out of old wineskins and into new wineskins. Uh, that's what we experience with the virtual lobby and so many other things. Uh, there's a podcast we did on the United Show, uh, you know, uh, a couple quarters ago. That was what was the silver lining uh, in in 2020? Uh, and again, you've got to be looking Or how do you get those adequate resources in an inadequate time? Fourth thing we learned in this uh, biblical story is uh, the feeling that we have that stops risk-taking is, uh, I'm all alone. And in the story, Jesus was sleeping, and they felt like they were all alone. But you got to understand, when you're called to ministry, you're not alone. And the one thing I love about the network is we are better together. And we want to make sure that nobody stands alone. Now, if you're in one of those times and seasons where life is caving in and you don't know what to do, I want to encourage you that uh, on the small group, in the small group network, we have a care team. And again, if you uh, go on our website, Derek will give you the link because I can't remember it. uh, But we have a care team there. We have a couple guys and a lady that are uh, there standing by to give you confidential prayer, to listen to you, to help you out. They're not therapists, but they are fellow small group point people who will walk you through a journey when you may not have all four of these things lined up. Now, in our trainings, in our conferences, we help you gird up against these four problems that are coming in all the time. But if you're, if you're caught short, understand the care team is always there for you.
1: All right. And the URL for that link that Steve referenced is smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash care team. And there you will see the care team. And uh, like Steve said, they're there for you. They're not therapists, but they're there to listen and encourage you and pray with you. And that was a great network nugget packed full of many little nuggets. Steve, let's move forward into our leadership learning for this episode. Uh, what is the question and the consequence?
2: Yeah, in the leadership learning piece right here, I, you know, I couldn't help but think in my screwy little mind, I was like going, "You're talking about all the little nuggets." I was waiting for the mick Nuggets that were going to come out <laughs> right there, but you know, let's let's move on. Leadership learning, leadership learning. Stay focused, stay focused. You know, in our leadership learning uh, piece, and I think this is very important for each one of us, is how do you figure out? Who is next after you? That's the question before you. If you don't answer this question, the consequence is going to be it's going to extinguish the legacy that you're trying to leave. Now, again, with boomers aging out, you know, you got to ask yourself how are you protecting your church and the future of your small group ministry? Now, before you dismiss it, because you're saying, hey, this has no applicable things to me because, you know, you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s, but you've got to be asking yourself this question because Jesus tends to move people around. And so you still have to ask the question, if you were to leave your church today, who's next? Who's following after you? Now, this is going to be so important for each one of us, because we're always talking about next man or next woman up. Who's following behind you? Uh, I always let my staff know that I am always thinking, from the moment you come on staff, I'm always thinking about who's following behind you. Who are we raising up with that? And it, it applies to everything we do in the network. It applies to everything you're doing in your small group ministry. You know, we talk a lot about your C team, and that's a real sweet answer, not only for strategic health, but the future of your small group ministry. So the big question is, what's the framing with your C team? You know, uh, we you read about it in planning small groups with purpose. We talk about at, at your Accelerate conferences that we do, but what's a framework that you can use with this team that you're developing for your future? And I would just, you know, kind of, you know, you put it in like four buckets. One is you always got to talk about what are the current strategic issues we're dealing with? So whoever the C team is, is that you're gathering together. Whoever these people are that you think can help you take your small group ministry to the next level. One of the things you should should be talking through for the answer to this question is, what are current strategic issues that helps you keep your team fresh? The second thing is, what and how are you evaluating the 20 questions in planning small groups with purpose? You know, in there, we talk about the kitchen, the family room, the study, the front door, the dining room. We have 20 strategic questions, but how are you evaluating that? And you're going to start to see the people, the cream always rises to the top. And when you're gathering these people together, and as you're evaluating your strategic questions. They don't have to be those 20. Uh, I mean, but, you know, they're already laid out for you. But, you know, you'll start to see people that will rise to the top and how they're evaluating that process. The third thing is, is what leadership issues, and these are all levels, uh, whether they're in your small groups, in your community leaders, with your pastors, but what leadership issues are you having? And this is the troubleshooting, So you're going to see people understanding, okay, how good are they at troubleshooting? And then the fourth one is, is what questions do you have or stuck points that need resolving? When you're going through these four questions with your C team, you're going to start to figure out who's that relevant next person that needs to be arising in your small group ministry. Now, you can do this with your C-team each, each month, and you can raise future leaders, and you'll have future leaders after you. But the point is, is that if you're not strategically gathering people together, you won't know who God is, is using. And so often, where we get into a big mistake in trying to answer this question is we try to pick, oh, who's the one person that's right there? And sometimes it's not just one person. Many times, it's a person that may be on the fringe, and God is just waiting to raise them up in your eyes. So I'd encourage you to uh, do that in this leadership learning piece.
1: Insightful information there, Steve. Thank you. Now bring us home as we talk about the trending topic. Uh, What's been in the forefront of your heart and mind that you want to discuss next?
2: Yeah, and actually, I've, I probably have had this uh, question and answer penned out for uh, months, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, it, it's, these, these questions are hard. They're tough. Uh, they're not the most uplifting podcast thing you want to listen to. But, um, but when this happened again, I thought, you know, I've got to deliver this. And this is, how do you handle a moral failure? That's the question before you. If you don't handle it right, here's the consequence that's going to be in front of your ministry. The consequence is it's going to break trust. When trust is broken, leadership is impossible. That's why uh, any moral failure that happens, uh, the church, the person, the ministry, never gets back to its same place because once trust is broken, it is almost near impossible without the Holy Spirit in order for fruit to happen again on that tree. And so... You know, the big question is, is with, you know, another moral failure. Uh, I don't need to go into the detail, the ministry of who it was, but another prominent person uh, fell morally. And like I said, it doesn't always have to be moral uh, in the sense of sexual, but it can be through finance. It can be, you know, they always say it's either uh, girls or guys, it's greed or uh, it's glamour. Uh, that you're always, you know, you're always in one of those three buckets, you know, floating around. But what I want to do is if this happens in your small group ministry, no matter which bucket it's that I'm named, um, here are seven things that um, you need to be able to do and seven learnings that you need in handling a moral failure, whether it's a staff person that's paid or whether they're volunteer. Here's some of our learnings that we've had. Number one, always have the spouse with the person that you're dismissing. Because so often what happens in that meeting gets misinterpreted back to the spouse. So if there is a spouse, you wanna make sure the spouse is there. I know that can feel uncomfortable and so often you want to try and do the honoring thing and not rub their nose in it or anything like that but if the spouse is not hearing stuff real time with you then that will be a problem the second thing always have someone of the opposite sex in the room as a witness so if uh if you know you are a uh, if it's me as a guy and i am uh dealing with this person I want to make sure I have another female there that that is you know being there to represent and give good listening ears to that. But you want to have someone of the opposite sex in the room as a witness that can help uh, serve you and help you. God designed men and women very different, and someone with the opposite skill sets can can help you out. Plus, it won't feel like uh, people are ganging up on uh, other people that are being talked about or dealt with. The third thing is. Always tell 100%, even if the details are embarrassing details. And and I know this is an uncomfortable part, but so often when you don't give all of the details, it will come back to bite you. I know it's uncomfortable. We always want to lead with grace. We don't want to humiliate people. But part of it is if there's not a clear understanding then it can come back and it can hurt you. Number four, swallow your anger. Love always wins is more important than what they think of you. Your job is to protect the church, but at the same time, you got to swallow your anger, uh, James one twenty. Derek, can you read this for us? Because I think it's a powerful scripture, uh, James one twenty and one uh, one twenty one, uh, and then I'll bring some commentary on it.
1: Yeah, here it is. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls.
2: Yeah, and there's a lot of implications on that on that scripture. But you know, the thing I'm saying, anger can sometimes just destroy everything you're trying to work with in that person. And I know the closer that person is to you, the more disappointment you have, the more anger you may have. Um, you know, whether they're embezzling from the church, whether it's a moral failure, whether they uh, have done something that, you know, just was silly. Uh, you know, sometimes you can be anger, but again, Anger is not what's going to bring resolution to this. So you got to swallow your anger is one of the things we've learned. Number five, uh, listen for pain and hurt, both in the person and the spouse, if there's a spouse, listen for that pain and hurt, because what you're called to do is also restore them and help them out. And so be listening for that so that you can uh, help them, which leads to the sixth thing is, is have steps for healing a clear path for reconciliation to happen and for restoration to happen to that person. It may not be in your church, but their call isn't void because they made a mistake. Uh, If the call was void because they made a mistake, you know, guaranteed that uh, every one of us wouldn't be uh, doing ministry, but you know, have a process and a pathway for that to be resolved. You want to work on that now, before you're dealing with it because it's not something you got to think it through. And then number seven, um, have everybody in the meeting pray. We talked about that earlier in the show, but you want to make sure that you have a time of prayer so that God can bring the rest, the, the unity, the love and just everything you want to have happen when there's been a misstep in ministry. And of course I pray that none of these questions Uh, Would wash up on your shore, but I can guarantee you all four of these questions will wash up on your shore at some point in time in your ministry. And if you don't have the answers, and our answers aren't complete, but they'll give you a pathway to get there, you want to make sure you have answers so that you don't have unintended consequences happen inside your ministry.
0: Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically.